0: Welcome to iScan in Conversation, where we talk about cybersecurity, military defense, crisis communications, and much more with industry experts from around the globe. Stay tuned.
1: And then of course we saw civilians at the end, students armed with their rifles as they too took to the parade. And at the end there was a massive fireworks show, so it was quite the event. But again, as you mentioned, no ballistic missile, no new strategic missile on show. Compare that to for for instance last October's parade, where we saw this massive, what is thought to be a a ballistic missile in in contravention uh, of the UN Security Council resolutions. So there are usually two reasons for a parade. One, to kind of show off your strength to the world. But one of the main reasons is to shore up domestic support, to rally uh, people inside of North Korea. And it seems that on this occasion, that is what Kim Jong-un has opted for. And when it comes to those three parades, it may well be that the domestic situation in North Korea is such that he does feel that he needs to rally the people at this moment. Food shortages are worsening, I am told, across the country. Even the regime itself admits that the harvest last year was poor and that they are facing a food crisis. And then, of course, the border has been closed since last January. That means trade, vital trade, isn't getting in from China, trade is down by about 82% this year. So as you can see, these vital supplies are not getting through.
2: That was the BBC reporting on the celebration of the 73rd year of North Korea's founding uh, with a parade in the capital Pyongyang this year. It was actually the third uh, parade missing in this celebration was the uh, parading of ballistic missiles or really any missiles at all in favor of more domestic agenda um, i think it leads us to to the question of what does this all mean for the indo-pacific and japan's most dangerous neighbor north korea so there's a lot of unknowns here and as we start part five of this series on north korea japan's new security posture uh, net assessment for regional sessions i'm very pleased To be rejoined with our senior iScan Senior Advisor Euster U, Arnold Soprero, and our host today, James Chow. My name is Andrew Bosco, I'm the managing director of iScan Group. And um, I'll uh, I'll turn over this very interesting topic uh, to James.
3: Great. Thanks, Andrew, and, and welcome again to Euster and Arno. A lot of issues to unpack here as we look at the situation with North Korea. But let me first ask Arno, what is the current threat of North Korea?
4: Thanks, James, and uh, good to be here. The current threat from North Korea has been historically the um, the ballistic missile threat that uh, North Korea has been building over the uh, the last few decades. I would tend to say it's I would say business as usual in terms of um, the threat coming out of, of uh, North Korea. Japan obviously has been developing uh, capabilities to address those threats um, in terms of countering those, those missiles, Aegis platforms with the capacity to intercept those, those those missiles. I think those capabilities got some attention in October uh, when North Korea launched launched a short-range ballistic missiles from an experimental submarine range um, summer, which was some actually that's so that was a, a breakthrough for north korea but uh, I, I will downplay that uh, that news i mean a uh, couple of things first it has a strong political message as usual towards south korea um first they are the uh, upcoming presidential election in south korea coming up in march 2022 so you always see some type of agitation in north korea um just to put some more pressure on on the election and the second thing which is quite interesting in south korea launched a similar ballistic missiles from submarine in september so the month before so um, north korea wanted to show south korea they, they have they were on par on some capabilities. But um, from my perspective, it has some marginal military significance, just given the fact that North Korea has a larger land-based uh, mobile missile force. So the threat is still there. Um, it, it's, it's evolving in, in some sense, but there's no uh, real um, breakthrough of, of the threats in, in itself. And Japan has been consistently addressing this issue in its white paper uh, every
3: year so that's a good point and I'm glad you mentioned that arno so the the current japan white paper has a good amount of focus on china as we saw is overlooking or have they overlooked it but is overlooking north korea a, a big mistake uh, euster
0: well, I, I first wanted to say that I agree with Arnold's uh, assessment on the North Korean threat. The, the real threat probably would be arising from if there's a, a instability from Korea, North Korea because the uh, nuclear tipped uh, uh, ballistic missiles are already already there, and there's uh, unless there's a uh, drastic change uh, domestically. I I just don't see uh, they would uh, be tempted to use those uh, weapons against South Korea or Japan. You mentioned that the current Japanese defense white papers focus on China. My sense is that Japan been, has been uh, very concerned about the rise of China for at least a couple of decades. But uh, since before the last couple of years, the uh, Big Brother, um, the United States, uh, have not uh, treated uh, China as a true rival competitor or, or even like an, a potential enemy. Uh, so I feel like the Japanese uh, privately have expressed a lot of concerns, but they have not expressively put Chinese threat up front or in, in the open. I think that that is why that we're seeing this um, sudden focus on China, uh, not because they didn't pay attention to that. And of course, uh, North Korea has always been a threat, but not as great as, as China. That I think that's the, what Japan feels.
3: And bringing up China, of of course, is um, important, I think, because of the relationship between China and, and North Korea. You know, when we when we talk about the threat of China and the threat of North Korea, uh, how much influence does, does China have in North Korea today? And how much of a consideration should that be trying to confront the North Korean uh, threat? Uh, Arno?
4: I, I will let you start take this
0: one. China still has a great influence over North Korea, Not probably not because they really like each other, but maybe more by default uh, because North Korea really has uh, no one else to go to. And uh, other than uh, some from Russia, a little bit uh, mostly from China, they really don't have much external uh, help or support. At all. With that, I think the influence over North Korea from China is significant uh, by default, not, not because they have uh, established a real close relationship.
3: I see. Thanks, uh, Euster, for that. So linking to uh, part four of, of, of our podcast series, how concerned should Japan be with North Korea's? cyber capabilities especially considering the sony intrusion that we saw some time ago arno
4: yeah so um, obviously north korea um i think we have underestimated the um, cyber capabilities coming out of, uh, of uh, north korea and we mentioned in our last podcast that japan cyber capability posture was mostly defensive and uh, in North Korea, it's pretty much the opposite. Um, they are constantly on the offensive and trying to to, to scan for uh, zero days vulnerabilities in, in large companies. In the U.S., but not only U.S., um, obviously, um, South Korea, uh, like banks, um, defense companies have been targeted as well. Um, and I would say that the, the North Korea cyber attack uh, fits quite well North Korea national strategy, which has been to upset the uh, status quo in the Korean uh, Peninsula. Uh, But those cyber attacks, they fell short of of arms provocation that could lead to war. So they they have been instrumentalizing the the cyber domain, uh, which has low risk, low intensity means uh, to really continue to influence their, their, their policy, which is, again, to upset the, uh, the statu quo and the Korean policy, but as well with the U.S. And um, the Sony hack reflects that as well.
3: I see. Understood. Fascinating. And, and Euston, any thoughts on on that?
4: Uh, Yes. Uh, The
0: answer is yes. Uh, Japan should be concerned uh, with North Korea's cyber capabilities, not because they're sophisticated or advanced, because they're just good enough to wreak havoc on Japan. And a a lot of this was because, as we mentioned in previous uh, podcasts, that Japan's uh, cyber defense capability is probably still not up to the task of protecting uh, themselves, uh, protecting their own critical infrastructure yet. So they should be concerned because of that. Uh, Once the the Japanese is able to uh, uh, further advance their uh, cyber capabilities in terms of, um, for example, cyber intelligence to get early warning on uh, potential attacks and perhaps uh, put in some uh, deception mechanism cyber deception mechanism to mislead the potential attackers and uh, strengthen their traditional uh, cyber protection capabilities their concerns should be will be lessened
3: so given the current and and future capabilities of of North Korea what should we be watching moving forward on on this topic? Arno?
4: Well, I think continuity. North Korea will continue to target Western and Japanese companies, South Korean companies, just to, to, like I said earlier, to upset the status quo. But as well, it's also a way to acquire funds in terms of um, cybercrime, to acquire funds for their nuclear development program. So I would argue it's it's also a way for them to to get some uh, to access some funds because they have obviously restricted access to, um, to, to funds. So, from my perspective, continuity in, uh, in uh, North Korea acquiring more uh, capabilities on the offensive and targeting these usual, usual suspects um, from uh, from their ecosystem that will serve their, their own political purpose.
3: Thanks, Arno uh, Euston.
4: Yes, uh, I, I do not
0: expect uh, North Koreans' uh, cyber capabilities to improve uh, rapidly, in at least in the near future, because they primarily learn from what has already been done and reuse the tools that are already out there. It's true that I've heard also that some of their uh, hackers were trained in China, but apparently the Chinese would not give them the best uh, trade craft or teach them the, the latest tradecraft or give them the best tools apparently so i am not sure they will be improving in in that uh, aspect uh, very quickly but the uh, on the other hand i think after china acquired nuclear weapons i mean all, all the sanctions and 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 blockade of North Korea was kind of one, was designed to force them to give up the nuclear capabilities, and it is probably already a fait accompli. I I wonder why there's not a an effort try to make contact with the North Koreans, try to bring them out to uh, out of the closet, <laughs> to uh, engage with the international community, and. Perhaps uh, with, with proper uh, income and, and lessen loosening of sanctions, they probably would be less likely to uh, want to do this, especially I, I'm not sure. I'm just throwing this idea out because in the past, um, after the, the Americans talked to Iran, talked to China about their hacking, and I, I don't know why there's not a topic to, to talk to North Korean about uh, how to deal with that.
4: Yeah, no, I just want to mention that uh, North Korea has been more focused on financial crime, cybercrime, instead of uh, advancing their military capabilities. There's probably a gap there um, that will be hard to overcome, like um, you still point out in years to come. But I think, as demonstrated by the, the Sony hack, there are cyber groups of there um, established in North Korea, which are still very much active, like the Lazarus Group. And um, they did um, take advantage of the of the COVID-19 pandemic over the last couple of years uh, to really increase their attacks, obviously, on financial institutions, critical infrastructure companies, uh, pharmaceutical companies, and acquiring more funds and disrupting the operations and so on. So I, I would see definitely not a breakthrough in, in North Korea capabilities, at least for sure on the military side, but definitely <clears throat> on the cybercrime.
0: The, the difficulty with North Korean cyber attacks is that they, they don't have much uh, attack surface. So there's just not many people are connected to the Internet not many uh, infrastru- not infrastructure, not, not people, not industries connected to the in- Internet. So if we want to talk about retaliation, th- there's really no valuable target uh, for to retaliate. It's pretty much like uh, when, when the U.S. launch ultra expensive uh, tomahawks against uh, Taliban tents uh, in Afghanistan. So that that's something sort of to their advantage. They they can attack and, and make off um, millions, of not billions of dollars. But on the other hand, uh, through cyber domain, there's really little uh, we can do to retaliate.
4: It, that's a great point, Huster. Um I think I was reading something about North Korea has 28 registered websites. And obviously, I don't don't know the numbers in in the US, but that's probably around 200 million, something like that. So, like you pointed out, Euster, in the cyber domain, the cyber domain does empower smaller states by giving them some asymmetric advantage.
3: Yeah, many great points and, and really appreciate the discussion, Euster and Arno, your expertise is very helpful in understanding the north korean threat whether it's ballistic missiles or cyber attacks uh, and as we wrap up this part five uh, continue to be impressed with uh, what you guys have um, your knowledge as well as just insight into the current situation so again appreciate the discussion and look forward to next time
4: thank you for listening to i scan in conversation
0: if you want to know more about today's topic, check out iScanGroup.com, follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter, and hit the
1: subscribe button.